Right. Well, hey, my name is Jason. I am one of the pastors. I'm the teaching pastor here at the church, and you got to meet Cecil a little bit earlier. But we are so excited that you're here today. And the reason we just showed you a video of Domino's is because we're talking about God's plan today. We're talking about God's will for our life. And here is what I think you and I struggle with. I'm just going to throw this out there because of all the conversations I have with people like yourself uh, in my office worried about life. Here's what I think most of us struggle with. We tend to think that God's plan for our lives is like dominoes. And that if we get the right decisions falling in the right direction, then everything continues to work out. That's true sometimes. But if we make the wrong decision, we start this domino effect that just ruins everything for the rest of our lives. It goes something like this. If I choose the wrong school, then I'll meet the wrong girl, for lack of a better term for me, then I'll, I'll, you know, have the wrong kids. That sounds awful. Then I'll work, live in the wrong state. Then I'll work the wrong job. Then I'm going to be miserable and unhappy. And I can trace it all the way back to choosing the wrong school, right? And so, like, that's extreme. But all of us kind of battle those thoughts a little bit. And so we, we struggle with this idea, like, okay, is God's will, is God's plan something, is it a one-time thing and I mess it up or it works good? And then what happens is God's plan and God's will for our lives, we start treating it like we're walking through a minefield. And we're so afraid if we take the wrong step, something's going to blow up on us. And that's not the way that God intended for us to live with this anxiety and this pressure and this nervousness about God's will for our lives. Some of you, you're, you just graduated high school and maybe you've already chosen a college. Some of you are going into your senior year and you're choosing a college and you feel this nervousness and this anxiety like, man, I don't want to choose the wrong one. Some of you in here are reaching an age that you think is an age that should already be a married age, but you're not a married age. You're married yet. And you're starting to worry, oh my gosh, did I miss the wrong, did I miss the right person? Am I, is there, did I, did I, did I mess up the, the dominoes? Some of you in here, you're, you're facing the decision between this job or this job. And you need to know, like, is it this way or this way? Should I be a nurse or should I be a PA? Should I work at this hospital or should I work at this hospital? So many of these things. And we are so afraid that we're going to make the wrong decision. So that's what we're going to talk about today. How do we know God's plan? How do we know God's will for our life? Now, let me tell you two things before we jump in today to answer uh, these questions for you. The first one is, is that this, this series is called You Ask For It, and the reason it's called that is because we're answering the most popular questions that you ask at Easter. We narrowed them down, let you vote on them, and so this is the fourth week of that. But we want to be as helpful as possible. We want to answer as many questions as possible. So while we're talking today, if a question pops into your mind, or we're not answering something you'd like an answer to, or you think we're wrong and you want to ask a question that makes us, makes us less foolish, that's fine, all right? Just text that in, and the number you can text it into is on the screen. It's 502-something, um, 230-1591. If that's right, I'm impressed with myself. Yes, all right. Nobody remembers phone numbers anymore. Come on, it's in the phone. Five, which, by the way, I learned this week, if you ever get arrested, you don't get to use your phone number to make one call. So just learn those numbers. Just aside, I didn't get arrested, but I'm just saying I learned that. All right, 502-230, my friend did, 1591, all right? So if you have a question that you would like answered, and we're going to try to answer them in real time. So if you ask a question that has to do with what we're talking about at the time, we'll just interrupt and we'll answer it. So we're kind of breaking two church rules. Like you get to text in church 
and you get to interrupt the preacher. So that's kind of cool right there. You can use that. The second thing we want you to know is that we think that what we're going to tell you today is really helpful. Like, we do. We think it's going to be some really helpful content to help you in your life, and we don't want you to forget it. So we are encouraging you today to take notes. Now, on your worship guide, there's a spot for sermon notes. But if you're like me, you take those notes, and then you put them in your car, and then you forget that they're in your car, and then you use it to clean up that mess from the baby who spilled the whatever. Okay, yeah, got it, all right? So you don't ever get it to where it goes. So we want to help you out today, and we've provided some digital notes for you to take. So if you have a smartphone, it doesn't have to be an iPhone, it can be a smart, any smartphone, iPad, tablet, whatever, and you go to rivercitywc.com forward slash notes, rivercitywc.com forward slash notes, you can put in the notes, the fill in the blanks, put in the notes, and then just email it to yourself, and it'll be there for you on your hard drive, and you'll be, you'll be good to go there. Now, we're kind of testing this out today because if this is helpful to you guys and you enjoy this, then we'll try to provide this more weeks. But we don't want you to forget what we tell you today because we think it's really, really um, important. All right? So God's plan, God's will. You have a yes or no sign on your chair that you came in somewhere around you. For, what, for some reason, people are taking, them with, taking these signs with them every Sunday. I don't know why they're doing that. So we don't have everyone that we originally ordered. But somewhere around you, there should be a yes or no sign. And we're going to ask you some questions today. And we want to know, yes or no, what do you think? Give us some interactive answers. So Cecil, why don't you get us started? Right, before I actually ask the first question, I want you guys to give me how you feel about yourselves. I want to make a statement here. And I want you to vote yes or no. Get your signs ready. Uh, pull them up here. And um, my first statement is this. I kind of have a good handle or know pretty well what I think is God's plan for my life. Yes or no? I, I pretty much know. I think I know what God's plan is for my life in general. Very split, just like it was last service. And that's understandable. We're, we're all over the place. Some of us feel like, yeah, I kind of get it, and I'm, I feel like I'm going the right direction. Some of us are like, I have no idea what God wants me to do. So our first question we're going to answer this morning is this. Does God have a specific plan for everyone? Does God have a specific plan for everyone? What's your, what's your thoughts on that? Let's hear it. Yes or no? God has a specific plan. Looks like resoundingly you guys say, yes, God has a specific plan for everyone. And I will tell you that the Bible agrees with that idea. Biblically, we can answer this one as a yes. God does have a specific plan for all believers, all of us who follow him. There are some things he wants in our lives and some things he has planned for our lives. Now, I know that a lot of us, we want to jump right to, well, what is... You know, who am I going to marry? Am I going to be a doctor? Am I going to, what's my career? Do I take this job or that job? Do, where do I live? Uh, should I become a missionary in Africa? Should I quit my job and become a preacher? Like, there's all these questions that I remember having when I was younger. And I want to jump right to those, like, what does my life look like 10 years down the road, 15, 20 years down the road? But I think before we get to those answers, we need to understand what God's plan is for all of us together as believers. Because Believe it or not, even though it doesn't sound as personal, it's really personal for all of us to share a few things in, in terms of God's plan for our lives. So here's, here's the first one, and this is in your notes. The very first thing that God has as a plan for every, every person sitting in here that follows him is be more like Jesus. Be more like Jesus. Your, your goal in your life, once you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, should be how can I become more like him every day? Um, the Apostle Paul writes letters to the church um, and all throughout the New Testament, he wrote these letters to the first century church telling them you should try to imitate Christ. He told that to the church at Ephesus. He said to the church in Corinth, like, imitate me as I try to imitate Christ. He understood this idea that, that once we start to follow him, we are disciples of Christ. That should mean we are trying to be more like Christ. 
Um, there was a derogatory term, Christians, uh, back in the first century church. It actually meant like little Jesuses, right? Like those people who are trying to look like Jesus. And they, they meant it to be derogatory, but actually that should be what we're trying to be, right? Versions, our best version of Christ as we can. So the very first thing all of us are called to do is to be like Christ. That's going to be really difficult, though, unless you know Christ. So one of the, the very first things we would encourage you to do is get to know who Jesus was. Um, if, you're, if you're a newer Christian or a younger Christian and you haven't, you know, had an opportunity to read through the whole Bible, a lot of people ask me, where do you start? And, you know, most, you know, reading plans will start all the way in the beginning of Genesis. And the, but certainly I recommend reading all the Bible. But if you haven't gone anywhere yet, I would recommend starting with one of the Gospels, um, the story of Christ's life, because that is the best primary example of who we should be and how we should live that we find in, in all of Scripture. So a great way, Cecil, based on what you're saying, being like Jesus, and we heard, we've heard this our whole lives, we had bracelets and everything, but whenever we're faced with a decision in life about God's plan, a good question to ask would be, would Jesus do this? Yeah. Is this making me like Jesus? Yeah, there's a reason the WWJD's caught on. The problem is a lot of people who are wearing them, like, they have no idea what Jesus would right. do. And, and we, we put little pieces together from things we've heard in church or things we thought we remembered from our childhood. But, but yeah, if you really want to be like Christ, um, you've got to know him. You've got to know who he is, how he lived, what he did, because that's your best guidepost for, for what you're doing day by day. So that's number one. Um, God's plan for your life, I promise every one of you sitting here right now, be more like Jesus. That's the number one thing. Number two, build the church. Um, the last thing Jesus said to all of his followers, he got a bunch of, a bunch of them together, like you guys are here with me this morning, and he's like, here's what I want you to do. I'm, you know, things are going to get crazy. I'm about to go to heaven and all this stuff, but you're still going to be here. I want you to go out and, and share about me everywhere in the world. Like go to every nation, make disciples of every nation, baptize them, and teach them to obey the things that I've taught you. So really, in essence, what he's saying is, number one was be more like Jesus. Then Jesus tells his followers, help other people be more like Jesus. Does that make sense? So number one, be more like Jesus. Two, build the church, which really just means help other people to be more like Jesus. There should be something in our DNA, something in our heart that makes us want to go out and share our experience. A real experience with Christ is not one that we just want to keep to ourselves, right? A real experience with Christ means we, we should want to go out and share that with somebody else. Somebody told you about about God, about Christ at one point, or invited you to church, and, and whatever it was that changed you, there should be something in you that says, I need to share this with other, pe other people. So that's the second thing. One, be more like Jesus. Two, build the church or help others be more like Jesus. And the third thing that's God's plan for everybody sitting here this morning is this. He wants us to do something with the gifts he has given us. Do something with the gifts he has given us. We're all gifted. We're all given some talents, some abilities, some things that, that we should be able to use to build the church. Um, God has gifted us all very specifically. There's a scripture, um, there's actually all kinds of scriptures that talk about God's gifts in our lives, but the one I pulled up here is um, 1 Peter 4 and 10. Peter's talking to the church and he says this, as each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. So all of us are given these different abilities and, and those play into God's plan for our life and Jason's going to talk more about that at the end, but but what I want you to realize with your gifts is as God has gifted all of us, we're supposed to be doing something. Our gifts and, and what we're called to do is not always just one thing. We also, we also get caught up in that, I think, a little bit. We get caught up in the, the one big answer we want. The one, should I marry this person? Should I move here? Should I take this job? And, and, and I remember struggling as a, as a young, you know, well, I wasn't even that young. I was almost 30 years old, and I'd grown up in church all my life, but I was still looking for that, what is it that God specifically 
wants for me, right? What is God's specific plan for my life? And I started feeling like I was called to teach and maybe to preach. And I had fought that, that feeling for a while, but I started thinking maybe that's what God has gifted me to do. And, and, and I was struggling with, I was actually doing pretty well in my business, running a small business and feeling like, well, God, if you've, if you've given me gifts to teach and I started teaching in church, if you've given me this, this feeling like I should follow you and, and preach and, and maybe help you know, build a church, should I quit my job? Should I become a pastor? And I've talked to a lot of young people who are like, should I go to Africa? Should I be a missionary? Should I, you know, we, get, we, we wrestle with these one big points. But I want to encourage you guys to look through the, through the Bible and realize that a lot of the people that were called and gifted to teach, to lead, to be apostles, to be disciples, they also worked other jobs. They also did other things with their life. Your calling from Christ, your specific calling from God is not one thing. It's not like one big thing and that's the only thing you've got to worry about. God calls us to do so many different things. And I talked to a pastor here in this church, standing right here at this altar about, I think I'm called to teach. I feel like maybe I'm called to preach and, and share God's word. And does that mean I should quit my job? And he's like, listen, man, if you leave your job, who's going who's gonna to share the, the love of Christ at your company? Like, if everybody who says, I feel like I'm called to serve God, says, I can't go to work anymore, who's going who's gonna to share God to the world? Who's going to go out there and reach the people who are standing beside you at work every day, your family members, your neighbors. I mean, these are the, these are the callings in our lives that don't always sound as big and, and glamorous as, oh, I, I went to Africa and reached millions, but we're reaching people every day we do what God's called us to do today. And so here's, here's what I want to encourage you in, the, in this first point, God's specific plan for my life. Instead of getting caught up in, God, where am I going to be in 10 years? What's the really big picture going to look like? Am I going to be this, marry this person, live here? Why don't you say, God, how can I best do today these three things? Be more like Jesus, help to build the church, and use the gifts you have given me. And what I learned along the way is when, was when he said, listen, man, I don't think you need to quit your job to, to serve God. I don't think you need to walk away from, some, from doors God has opened to fulfill his plan in your life. What I started to find out is if I just try to figure out God's will for me today, how can I be more like Jesus? How can I reach other people? God opened doors here at River City and at my job. And I, at this point, I still work a full-time job, run a small business, help Jason and, and the team here, pastor at River City. And God, for me, my specific plan was very unique in, in that I just said, God, I'll take any opportunity you give me, which included not leaving my job. So Jay, that's, a, that's a big question for a lot of people is, is do I have to quit doing what I'm doing to find God's plan for my life? And in my case... I think some, that's even more challenging sometimes, too, when... It's like, oh, well, yeah, because you're a pastor, you're a preacher, so like that one's like trumps all the other ones, or that one's more important, or, or whatever it is, but it's ju it was just, like, you didn't have a, like, you weren't planning on being a pastor, you just felt like, I have a gift, I can teach, I can, I can talk in front of people, or whatever, and then along the way, God has... Yeah, I wanted that answer, like, I was wanting the pastor here to tell me, no, yeah, you're called to be a pastor, right. because I, I wanted that definitive, but once I kind of let go of the, is that going to be the end of it, and I just said, why don't I just take it today and then tomorrow and do what God's called me to do today, it seemed to work out so much easier, and I was less stressed about it. Okay, we had a question come in about something you referenced. Uh, you said, be like Jesus, and to be like Jesus, we need to know about Jesus, which means we need to read the Gospels. And someone said, what are the Gospels? So specifically, what are the Gospels? Yeah, that's a great question. If you're a newer Christian or believer and you haven't read those, it's the first four books of the New Testament, but essentially those are just the stories of Jesus' life, right? So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those first four books 
in the New Testament written by four different people giving their account of their experience with Christ. So there's three of them they are going to read pretty similar because they used some, some original source material and then added their own stories as they remembered them. And then John, who wrote very passionately and with this great love for Christ, written very different. But, but all four of them are the same, just four guys sharing their story of here's what it was like to, to be walking with Jesus. All right, so God's specific plan for everyone in the room, if you got this in your notes, is be more like Jesus, build the church, and use my gifts. Be more like Jesus, build the church, and use my gifts. That is God's plan for your life, and that's such awesome content, and that can change your life. But if we're just being honest, it's a little bit of a letdown, right? It's like, well, thanks for that, Jay, that generality there. Like, I need to know about this. Is it A or is it B? What, what, you know, what do we do? Is now when we're supposed to have kids? or not? Like, I need something more specific. Well, we're, we're going to get to that uh, a little bit later in the service. But we want to answer the next question uh, that we have for you today. Question number two, and get your yes or no signs ready because we're going to ask this to you. Can I mess up or miss God's plan for my life? Yes or no, can you mess up or miss God's plan for your life? Come on, let me see the signs. Hold them up. Yes or no. A lot of yeses, a few no's out there. Can I mess up or miss God's plan Some for my life? Some spinning signs. Back and Some spinning. Not sure. Not sure. Okay, well, I love when God, you know, I I love when I'm speaking a sermon and God just gives me some great illustrations that happened in my life close to that sermon. And this happened to me the other day. How many of you guys use your, um, like, your your, uh, Siri, like, GPS on your phone or just GPS on your dashboard to drive? How many of you guys do that? Like, I don't even, like, I just, I don't know any addresses anymore. I just speak to Siri, give me an address. We go, right? So I am driving uh, this last uh, two weeks ago, Monday, somewhere I'd never been before in Louisville on the other side of town, and I put the address in, and uh, I'm following the directions. The address is correct. The directions are correct, but I missed a turn. Now, you need to know this about me. I am the worst GPS follower ever, okay, because my distance estimation is awful, okay? She's like, turn right in 800 feet. I'm like, now. Like, I just think I, that was 800 feet. Like, I was, like, a, you know, two, like, yeah, okay, eight, that's it. And I, I am awful at, like, that was 800 feet. And so I always turn too soon. Always, always, always turn too soon, right? So it's like an 800 feet turn right. I turn too soon. And when I did that, and this has happened to you before, but when I did that, what, what did it say to me? Does anybody know? Recalculating recalculating, recalculating. So I'm looking at my estimated time of arrival. I'm kind of in a hurry, and the time goes up about two minutes, and the distance goes up just a little bit, but it goes a little farther, and I'm not making this up because it's a sermon illustration. I missed the next turn, okay? I'm trying to follow the directions. I missed the next turn, okay? And when I did that, it said recalculating, recalculating, and the time went up a little bit, estimated time of arrival, and the distance went up a little bit. Now, I made the third turn, and I ended up getting there, but as I was driving, and I love when this happens, and this is happening, I thought to myself, this is how God's plan is for my life, that God has a destination he wants to get me to. That destination is right. It's good. Everything's great, but I, and I don't know about you, but I missed some turns along the way. Anybody else miss any turns out there in your life a little bit? Yeah, I missed some turns along the way. But I didn't forfeit what God had for me. It was just when that happened, God said, recalculating. I'm going to still get you there. 
I've still got a plan for your life. Your time of arrival may be a little longer. The distance to get there may be a little longer. But get this, because this is huge, and this is what my dad taught me as a teenager, and I want you to get, if you don't get anything else we say today, please get this. As long as you want to know what God's plan is for your life, he's not going to let you miss it. How many people know Suri, she's thinking stubborn, like she will not shut up unless you hit that end button, right? Now, there does come a point in your journey that you can go kind of past the point of the the way you're supposed to go, and that 30-minute trip all of a sudden becomes an hour and 15-minute trip, you know what I'm talking about? Like, there was one turn, that last turn that you missed, now you got to go all the way around. I was in Fairdale the other day, and there was a construction, so I took a detour, and I tried to follow some directions. I did not realize there was a small mountain over here in Fairdale, all right? I mean, I went all the way around that thing. Like, 30 minutes later, no exaggeration, I come out down here somewhere, and I'm like, I never knew this was here, right? Because I took one turn that kind of took me way around. Moses did that. Moses took a wrong turn, and it was 40 years But guess what? God's plan for Moses was still for him to be a deliverer. And he was 40 years out there, a long way off. But God said, recalculating, recalculating. And he still had a plan for Moses' life. Now, just because we're using the theology of Suri this morning, there there does come a point where you can hit end and say, shut up. I don't want to go there anymore. Sure, if you don't want it, if you don't want God's plan for your life, okay, go for it. But what we don't want to have is you stressing and feeling anxious and feeling fearful, like, I want to get there, I want to get there, I want to get there, but I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up, I'm afraid. Listen, as long as you want to know God's plan for your life, he's not going to let you miss it. Let me read a scripture to you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean, or do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do. And then what? He'll show you which path to take. He'll show you which path to take. Trust in the Lord. Stop trusting in yourself. Seek God. Seek his direction for your life. And he will show you what path to take. He may not show you what path to take for 20 years from now, but when you get up tomorrow, he'll go that step. And then he'll say that step and that step. Why? Because you're trusting in the Lord and seeking. you're seeking his will. So as long as you want to know, you're not going to miss it. Will you make some mistakes? Absolutely. I can't tell you what your life's going to look like 20 or 30 years from now, but here's what I can tell you. Looking back in hindsight, is that God uses divine moments, big divine moments in our lives, and it's sometimes hard to spot them in the present. Sometimes we can, but it's always easy to see in hindsight that you and I can look back on our lives now and we can go, that was a big moment, that was a big moment, that was a big moment. Moses at the burning bush, that's a divine moment. Gideon in the wine press, that's a divine moment. Jesus inviting the disciples to follow him, that's a divine moment. And here's what I found about my life. My, my wife walking through that back door of, of, of Marietta Church of God that night I was playing the guitar, divine moment, hello, right? Um, uh, some things that have happened with me and my calling leading this church. Here's what I've found. If in those divine moments I do the best that I can to be obedient, those divine moments are kind of like bumper rails at the bowling alley. And God says, okay, so we've used Suri and the bumper rails. I mean, we're all over the place theologically. But anyway, God says, I'm going to keep you in the lane. You're going you're gonna to get there. So let's take the pressure off this morning. Yeah, speaking of divine moments, we, we don't always 
like you said, recognize them, but they're also not always like these mega spiritual, like one of my divine moments before I even got to the point of, of wondering, should I become a preacher was the pastor got up and was like, man, we need some teachers here. We need someone to, to lead our, our youth. And does anybody feel called to be a teacher? Now that's a divine moment back in my life that felt very spiritual. But sometimes they don't even feel spiritual at the beginning. Yeah. Like I shared the story last service of, of Philip in the Ethiopian where Philip was one of the disciples of Christ and he's planting churches and he's sharing the gospel. But sometimes a divine moment just feels like, hey, go talk to this person. Because God r really, literally said to Philip, there's this, he's out traveling and there's a chariot that Philip sees and, and God says, go stand over there by that chariot. And so Philip just walks over and he's like, well, doesn't feel like a divine moment, but I feel like I should stand by this chariot. And inside the chariot, there's this Ethiopian who's reading the scriptures and Philip asks if he understands what he's reading. He's like, no, somebody needs to explain it to me. And so Philip got to lead this Ethiopian to Christ and baptized him, and it, it became a divine moment. Yeah. There's times in your life that a divine moment, you might not recognize till later, but it doesn't always feel mega spiritual, but you just, if you're following yeah. Christ, man, you just feel these urges and these, these directions that you should go, and sometimes it's as simple as that. Just, hey, just go stand over there. It seems like when we obey in a moment, another moment pro pro provides itself. An opportunity provides itself when we obey in, in another opportunity. And you and I both have stories like that where you go, okay, my youth pastor was just asking if somebody could play Lord, I Lift Your Name on High on the acoustic. I was like, I can. And now I look back and I go, wow, what a divine moment that was right there to get me in the ministry and to get me into worship and to get me into music. I didn't know. I was just willing to say yes and use my gifts. You were just using your gifts. That's it. That's which it. is everybody's calling. Um, while you were talking about the GPS, this question came in. Um, so you're talking about, you know, God kind of redirecting. Re does God change his plan for you then? Does that mean God's plans are changing, or how does that work? Well, golly, that's, that's a really good question. That's a, that's a million-dollar question. I, I don't believe so. And this is Jason, so on the level of, like, divine authority, this is down a little bit. This is not God. This is Jason. But I believe that the Bible says that from the foundations of the world that God had plans for us. Right, that, that Jeremiah says that he knows the plans that he has for us. Now, I'm not, what well, we're not going to get into today because it just gives us a headache and we just debate and then we go home and watch The Matrix and we get all sad or whatever, is like, are we robots and is it boom, 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 boom? I don't know about all that, but here's what I know. It's that God has great plans for my life and God has great plans for your life and he may have to recalibrate and redirect to get me to my plans. And I love that God is big enough to live outside of my box and use my sin and my mistakes for his plan, but it wasn't his plan that I sinned. Like, okay, we're not even going there. But here's what I know is that God has done all that. He's made beauty from ashes and taken broken things and put them back together and used those things in his plan. He said, well, was that the original plan? I don't think so because God, James says he doesn't tempt and he doesn't cause us to sin. So God's bigger than all of that, but he's getting us somewhere. And don't worry about whether it changed or not. Just get there. Just follow God. Just listen to his voice and, and get there. So I'm not trying to not answer your question. I'm just saying I believe the Bible teaches that he knew the plans he had for us before the foundations of the world. Um, so and this one, maybe yeah. just to kind of reiterate this, can I mess it up? This person's still kind of worried about it, saying, how, how do I know that I'm going along the, right along the path that God planned for me? If I you want to be on the right path, you're on the right path. Yeah. So, so, like, I— I don't, it doesn't mean you made every decision right yesterday and you're going to make every decision right today. But we sometimes think that God is up there like playing like Marco Polo with us, right? Sometimes like, oh, 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 you can't get, you know, like, like if you want to know, God's not keeping it from you. Like the, the fact that you have the desire to do God's will, that's great. 
God's not going to be like, no, you don't have it enough. Oh, oh, no. It's like, hey, you want to know. Now, you may not feel peace in the moment because the, the picture, full picture hasn't been painted yet. The whole puzzle hasn't been put together yet. I get that. We're going to have some of that, God, will you hurry up? God, will you hurry up? I get that. But it doesn't mean, it, like, you're not going to be outside of God's plan if with all your heart you want to be in God's plan. Um, those desires, you know, come, come, from, uh, come from God. So um, let's answer the third, third question, or we got some other questions? Question. Okay, let's answer the third question this morning. So we've, we've already said, does God have a specific plan? We've asked, can I mess up God's plan? This is not a yes or no, so you're not going to be able to answer this one uh, out there. But how can I know what God's plan for my life is? This is kind of the, the million-dollar question. This is the one that you want an answer to. So we've kind of talked about some, some truths out of God's word, but now you're still saying, okay, Jason, but what about me specifically? Like, what, what about my scenario? How can I know God's plan? Well, we want to be helpful to you this morning, and we want to try to give you some answers for that. We want, we want to help you. We can't give you the 100%, but we want to try to give you some answers to help you, um, help you do that. So you hear me talk about my daughter, Sadie, all the time. Your kids are awesome, but they're not as awesome as my kids, all right? And so, like, that's cool. But my daughter asks the most awesome questions, which is kind of cute right now, but we'll get old at some point, I'm sure. But my five-year-old daughter, we're driving to church three weeks ago, and we get out of the car, and she said, Dad, um, how do you, how do you, or how'd you become a pastor? I said, well, you know, I, that's what God wanted me to do. She said, well, how, like, how do you know that's what God told you to do? Because I said, God, that's what God told me to do. She said, how do you know that's what God told you to do? I said, well... That's a hard question to answer, but I mean, I, I just felt like it was the right thing. Like, this is, I felt like that's what God wanted. I said, you know how sometimes maybe I'm not in the room, but you would say, this is what Dad would want me to do? It's kind of how, you know, I felt like God wanted me to do that. And Sadie said to me, she goes, well, how do you know that it was God and it wasn't just what you wanted to do, so you made it sound like it was God, right? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, go talk to your mom. Like, she'll answer that. But isn't that like such a great question that we all struggle with? Like, how do I know it's God, right? I said, Sadie, do you want to be a preacher? She goes, no, I want to be a librarian. I'm like, all right, that's fine, okay? But like, how do we know that it's God and it's not just us? How do I know if I'm supposed to do that or that because it's God or it's just what I want to do? Well, I'm going to like, I am going to so take the pressure off of you today and tell you that the answer is, if you want to do it, do it. If you want to do it, do it. I'm a big believer in trusting your gut. And you say, well, do you have any Bible to back that up? Absolutely, I do. Proverbs 37, verses 4 and 5. It says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. Now, I've always read that verse. Um, gr all, growing up, I always read that verse. Like, if I take delight in the Lord, then he will give me what I'm wanting out of my heart, the desires out of my heart. So, and this is a really petty example, but it's, it's easy to understand. God, I want a red car. And God says, well, if you delight in me, I'll give you a red car. Like, that's how I always interpreted that verse, right? But the older I get, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that's what that verse means. I think it means that if I delight in the Lord, that he will insert desires into my heart. It's kind of a wordplay, but did everybody catch that? So it's not, that I, it's not that the desires originated with me and God gave me what I wanted. I believe that when I delight in the Lord, the desires originate with God and he inserts them in. Because I want his plan and I want what he wants more than, what I, more than I want what I want. 
And so as I'm praying about things, there are times that I don't want things that I used to want, and there are things that I start wanting things that I didn't used to want. And I believe that God is giving me the desires of my heart. You say, well, how did you, how did you know that you, you should be the pastor of River City? Because I wanted to. And I believe that the desire to want to came from God because I didn't always have that desire. We looked for a pastor for six months here six years ago. We looked for a pastor for like six months, and people would say, why don't you and Cecil just do it? And we'd be like, I, I don't feel like I'm supposed to. And one day, we're doing baptisms back when we did it up in the baptismal, and I baptized somebody in a very divine moment for me. I baptized them. I pulled them out of the water. I looked out into the congregation, and I felt in that moment, unlike I had felt ever before, I felt the desire to be the pastor of this place. And I felt like God said, these are your people. I want you to lead them. I believe, I believe God put that in there. And then I wanted to, and I'm a big believer in trusting what you want to do. And you say, whoa, Jason, that can get really dangerous. What if I want to and then just list a bunch of stuff, right? Well, I, I still want to encourage you to not underestimate your desires. So I'm going to give you four things. And if you're taking notes, these are listed there, one, two, three, four. I'm going to give you four things that I believe help us figure out God's plan, God's design for our life, all right? Four things that I believe help us figure out God's design and God's plan for our life. Number one, questions to ask yourself. What things are effortless for me that other people consider challenging? What things are effortless for me that other people consider challenging? I think that this is such a great indicator of the way that God designed you. It's so great and so simple that sometimes we miss it. That there are things that you do that are effortless. And other people go, I just don't know how you do that. Let me give you an example for me. People say to me all the time, like, I, don't, I just don't know how you get up there and talk in front of all those people. And like, yes, I study and yes, I work at it. But honestly, it's just, it's easy for me. It's effortless for me. The only class in college I got a good grade was public speaking, right? And I didn't have to do anything in that class. Like, I just did it, right? And, uh, and like, that was just something that was effortless for me that for some of you makes you want to like have a panic attack to get up in front of people, right? I love the example of, of Cecil's son, Curtis. I give him a hard time all the time because I think he's supposed to be a cook, a chef, because he has such a gift at cooking. Like effortlessly, my man can make a meal that's like, wow, okay? And, uh, and me, I'm not, I don't, I can't do that. I don't have those gifts. But something that's challenging for us is effortless for him. And I believe that everybody in the room, whether you know it or not, has some of that. But there's something that you do effortlessly, and you can't explain why. God just gave it to you. And you may not have known it from birth, but as you grow and as you move along in, in, in your life, I believe that these things uh, reveal themselves um, to you. Some of them we just know from day one, but some we don't. So what things, and I would love for you to take these questions home and really answer them. Write down the things. What are the things that are effortless for me that other people consider challenging? Number two, what advantages out of my control have I had in life? And I put positioning there because I think this is a huge part of like where God places you. Like let me give you an example. I believe that God's plan for my life is to be a pastor, to be a Bible teacher. Like that's, that's what, that's, I feel the most fulfilled when I'm doing that. Well, I was born into a family of ministers. I didn't have any control over that. I didn't say, like, God, put me in the family of pastors. If I could have got to pick, I wouldn't even have picked that. It's kind of lame, right? But I was born into a family where my dad was a pastor and my grandfather and all my uncles and my great-grandfather, all pastors, right? 
that's an advantage because of what God was calling me to do. That's an advantage out of my control that I had that you didn't have, right? But you have advantages that other people don't have either. And we see this in the Bible. I mean, who better for God to send to ask Pharaoh to let the people go than Moses? He was raised in, he was, that's his brother. Pharaoh is his brother. Now, he wasn't born there, but God, through a basket in the water, down through a thing, raises Moses up in that house. That's an advantage that was out of Moses' control. But when we know God's plan, looking back for Moses' life, we go, oh yeah, duh, duh, right? That makes all the sense in the world. Maybe you were raised in an army family and you were raised overseas. That's an advantage. Maybe you were raised in a house with money. And that's not normal for everybody, so that's an advantage. Maybe you were raised in the home of a teacher, a la my wife, and you feel like God has called you to teach. That's God's plan for your life. Maybe, you know, maybe you were just put in environments. There are things that are advantages to you out of your control. All right, number three. And this is a huge question. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Like, don't, sometimes I think we can feel bad for answer, like asking ourselves that, but what do you want to do? We just talked about how the desires come from God when we tr- delight in the Lord. So what do you want to do? I'm a firm believer that God's not going to ask you to do something that you're going to make you miserable. Now, I did say there was a season in my life as a teenager, I was like, I'm never going to be a preacher. I'm never going to be a pastor. Okay, but God changed my desires, right? But I don't believe that God's like, okay, you're going to have to be a doctor but you hate blood. Like, you're not, I don't believe that God does that. I believe that God inserts desires into our hearts and that there are things that you want to do. And that's a good indicator of what God wants you to do, right? What do you want to do? And that goes along with the other two questions, too. I mean, you, like, I'm 5'9, and there was a season in my life where I wanted to play professional basketball, okay? Now, if you got watch me play, you would think that's still a possibility, but it's not. Trust me, okay? It's not. It's not. Corey keeps trying to convince me to do it, but I'm like, Corey, no, I want a pastor. I'm not going to be a pro. So, like, I, but I get that, right? But there was a desire in my heart, but it didn't line up with the disadvantages of I'm the tallest person in my family. So, like, that's you know, that's a disadvantage. You understand what I'm saying? And then, lastly, what do you feel like God has said when you've prayed about it? Like, let's don't miss this. What do you feel like God has said when you prayed about it? Because I think most of us want to know God's plan, but we don't want to put in the time with God. We want to go like, okay, fortune cookie, what should I do? Eight ball, what should I do? Like, but like, how long have you prayed about it? How much fasting have you done about it? About God's plan for your life? Because I believe, it's not rocket science, it's not 100% sure, but I believe if you do these four things you're going to be right smack dab in the middle of God's plan for your life. Right smack dab in the middle of God's plan for your life. So let me just sum it up, because we've said a lot today. We've given you a lot of points. Let me just sum it up for you. How do I know God's plan for my life? You ready? This is deep, so you don't don't want to miss it. This is deep. Read your Bible, pray, trust your gut. Read your Bible, pray, trust. Trust your gut. You say, well, will I always have peace? No. I mean, I I can't think of the last decision I made I was 100% sure about. Right? But I trust my gut because I'm spending time with God. So, God, I'm trusting that you say the steps of the righteous man are ordered. So, God, I'm trusting that I'm spending time with you and I am making decisions and I'm trusting my gut. I have gotten, 
I've taken some detours before, but if I'm being honest, those happen when I stop spending time with God. And I was going on my understanding of what I wanted to do. Read your Bible, pray, trust your gut. So when you go have lunch with your friends who go to other churches, they're going to give you this really deep thing that their pastor talk about. You're not going to get to do that. Like, My pastor talked about trusting our gut, and like, I'm going with that, right? But I think it's so biblical. I think it's so biblical. Read your Bible, pray, trust your gut. All right, Cecil, do we have any questions? Yeah, we, we have a couple. Um, actually, I was thinking this, the last thing you were saying here, the closer you get to God, you know, the, the easier all these questions become because there's been a, you know, a couple questions about how do I know what God's desires are, the, the more you know him, the easier all of these questions become. God is not... I wouldn't, I wouldn't say easy, because that's, it can still feel intimidating, but I would say more fail-proof. Yeah, well... And, we still and, feel like some intimidation about it. Well, you, you mentioned Gideon in the last service, and yeah. that's a good example. Gideon's, you know, a prophet. Gideon's following God. God has a specific plan for Gideon, but Gideon still wasn't sure. You know, God's like... Yeah, if you, if you don't know the story of Gideon, go home and read that story. God says, this is what I want you to do, and Gideon goes, can I sleep on it? And he comes back, and God says, okay, how do you feel? And he's like, well, I think, but can I sleep on it again? Like, he was telling God to wait. That's crazy. But God wasn't like, forget it, I'm out. Like, God was like, I'm willing to let you kind of come to terms with this plan that I have for your life. So. Yeah, as long as you don't bail out on God. He'll, That's right. He'll keep, he'll keep pushing you that right Redirecting. Let's, let's, here's a question that came in after we had already kind of moved through, can I mess up God's plan for my life? But a couple of questions came in about this, so I think we need to address it. Um, if I mess up, can I get back on track? And are there any biblical facts or examples that would point me in that direction. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, Jonah's the easiest. When you preached on Jonah not too long ago, yeah. Jonah for sure messed up because God said, you know, go here. And Jonah's like, nope, I'm going here. Jonah, Peter, Saul, uh, Moses, David, David I mean, uh, everybody but Jesus. You know, so right, right. like <laughs> Cecil, Jason, like, yeah. So, yes, um, yeah, you just, you just read it just redirects. I mean, so can you mess it up? Well, I mean, yeah, I do believe that there are some divine moments in your life that you can make the wrong decision or you can miss it. Yeah, I, I'm not saying you're never going to ever miss an exit, but I am saying that that doesn't mean you're disqualified from the final destination. So, like, stop worrying about the dominoes. Like, stop worrying about, oh my gosh, I can't, make up, I can't mess up this decision. I can't mess up this decision. Like, it's going to be okay. Take a deep breath. Um, but man, when I look back on my life, I, I feel like I got a lot of the divine moments right, but I missed some. I mean, I, I totally, I mean, there are things for this church, God's plan for this church that I look back and I feel like, yeah, I kind of missed it on that one, you know, and, and, but I move forward and I got to spend time with God and trust my gut going forward, you know. The more you live for God, though, aren't you less worried about every single decision? Aren't you more like, God, I'm, I'm coming after you with all my heart. I'm trying to do what you want me to do. If I miss one thing, like, it's not we're not derailing God completely, right? I mean, God's not, yeah. it's not like we're bigger than him. God is always, we, we remember that every day, God is bigger than us. You're not going to do one thing that's going to derail God's entire plan for the universe. So yeah. I'll worry less about every single decision and just say, God, let me do the things that, you know, glorify you, that, you know, I believe you want me to do from spending time with you. And then I just do it. It's, and it's I, a little easier. You know, we, we just think like God's like us. We think God is linear. And it's like, you know, but he's not, he's, I, I, he's so much bigger than all that. He's outside of the whole realm of our even understanding. So I mean, he was yesterday, but he's in the future, but he's not. I mean, it's like, so don't panic about that. But there have also been times in my life, Cecil, where I felt like I missed God. And now looking back, I didn't. I mean, you, I've shared my story here before, and I'll just give you the quick version. I was offered at the time, before I took this job, I was offered what I thought was my dream job. 
the job that I thought I would stay forever. It was a ministry position with people. I mean, I thought it was, it had to be God. And I called my dad and my dad said, you can't take that job. You know, you can't take that job for other reasons. I couldn't take it. And I remember going home and telling Andrea, like, I've just screwed up my life. Like, this was God's plan for me. Um, and then about three months later, I get a call. Hey, you want to come to Louisville? And I'm like, okay. And I just took that job to get away from where I was. I didn't think it was like, this is God. I was like, I'll take it. Like, we haven't even told you what you'll pay. I'll take it, whatever it is, you know. And now looking back, I see like, oh, wow, thank you, God, you know, kind of thing. A couple questions came in. Um, I mentioned gifts earlier. Someone's talking about how do we know what our gifts are. And then you were talking about how do we know what comes effortless to us. So a couple different questions about how do we know what those things are? How do we discover well, the best, one of the best ways to do it is to go through Growth Track, Discover My Place. We, do, we offer a, a Growth Track class during the 1130 service, the second Sunday of every month. Cecil and Rob teach that, where you specifically just take a test. And it's not like a test you pass or fail, but you take a test to figure out your gifting. So, like, start there. Don't, don't like, you know, go around that. Start there. But I think a lot of things are just evident in our lives based on what we know to be true about us. You know, if you're good with people, God wants to use that. If you're bad with people, God probably doesn't want to use that. You know, I mean, if you're, what, like, if you have a gift, God wants to, to use that. And, and there are people in the room who you feel like you're not good at anything. And that's, just, that's not true. You've just been listening to the wrong voices. You're great at something. And the, and the body, you know, we're building the church. That's part of our gift. So the, Jesus says that every, every part of the, there's different parts of the body. And we glamorize certain parts. And I get that. And I know that. And no matter how much I say it, we think that singing is more important than the nursery, no matter what I say, and it's just not true, but that's just the way our minds work. Um, but God has gifted you for something. If you're breathing, God has a plan for your life, and he's gifted you for that. Yeah, the person that sent this in said, I'm not sure that I have any natural abilities. And, and I think that comes from, we think, preaching, teaching, you know, singing. Like, those, those seem to be the ones that we see. But, but there's an example that Jason and I use sometimes when, when when we're talking through, you know, growth track and people that have other gifts besides the gifts that we have that are amazing to me. We got a couple of guys here in our church, Mike Likens and, and Adam Cummings, who are who are good like mechanically. They can fix things, they can build things. And to me, that that's like, oh my God, those those guys are amazing. Yeah. You you can build a chair. Like to me, yeah. that seems like the most <laughs> unbelievable talent ever. If I built a chair, it would be like yeah. I would chop a tree. Well, I don't even like a chop a tree yet, but you know, I would sit on a piece of wood and I would say, chop it's a, a chair. Tree. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Like, so, so your gifts, while you're saying, well, I don't know that I can, I've got gifts, but you can probably do some things that I can't do. And that's the way God designed us, right? Some people, you know, that, that shake hands at the front door are impacting the kingdom of God every week because they're able to be friendly. And some people are just are too shy to do that. And they're like, well, I can, I can handle babies. And I would say this too, like, I, I didn't read a whole book from start to finish until I graduated high school. I don't say that to brag. Like, I didn't realize I was good with numbers and spreadsheets until I was 25, 26 years old. So, like, there are things that God hasn't um, revealed to you yet. And if you are here and you feel like, I don't know what those gifts are, just start saying yes to opportunities, and you'll fall in love with something. And you may hate it, too. So you may say, like, yes, Kim, I'll help you with kids. And three weeks in, you're like, no, I am out. Okay, I get that. But keep saying yes, and you'll I, – I attribute – Outside of God's ultimate plan, I attribute me sitting here today and talking to you to the fact that I said yes to my youth pastor asking me to play Lord, I Lift Your Name on High. And I didn't know. Luke Hazel is the head media, whatever his title is, at Zappos. And he would tell you if he was here today, the reason I have that job is because Jason asked me to do the video announcements one week, edit them, and I said yes. And then, like, God, 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 and now he's there. So just start saying yes, and he didn't even realize that was an opportunity. 
couple different questions about jobs, and we knew that you know people trying to figure out career path and jobs was going to be a big yeah. you know question with God's plan. So one is when it comes to jobs, what are the signs God might want me to quit my current job? Like how do I mm -hmm. know? And then the other one very similar, but how do I know that? Um, a certain job is in God's will. I've been looking for another job. And so a lot of people kind of wondering about, is this job where God wants me? And how do I know that? And that's a really tough one. So that's your that's your. Question. Why is that me? You work a job outside the church. <laughs> that's true. So here, here's the truth. I, I, don't, I can't tell you if your job is God's will, but I will tell you this. Um, there, are, there are times in our lives that we are not happy with, with jobs or situations. It doesn't mean we're outside of God's will. Let me, let me make sure we're real clear on yeah. that. Just... You know, we talk about following your passions and your desires and all those things, and those things are 100% true. But it doesn't mean that everything you're doing is, is means you're going to wake up today and be like, everything today is rosy and yeah. ra roses and rainbows, and, you know, my job is perfect, my life is perfect. There are times we're walking through some things that, that aren't necessarily what we want to do, and it doesn't mean we're out of God's will. So here's what I would encourage you in any job. First of all, as Jason said, pray a lot about it, God. If this is not the job you want, open some opportunities. Gideon kind of did that, too, when he's saying, God, do you want me to do this? Well, if you want me to do this, then, then maybe this will happen, God. Can you do that for me? Just start asking God, God, if, if you don't want me here, can you present me another opportunity? And, and if, here's what I did about the church. Um, it, wasn't, I mean, it, it is a job, but it's not necessarily just a job. You know, this is ministry. But, but I did the same thing. I was like, God, if you want this to work out, if you want Jason and I to take this church, Give us an opportunity. Give, make it so that I feel like this is you and not me. And that, and not long after that, we got called into the, to the overseer's office, which is kind of like our, our you know, boss, technically our boss in, in our denomination. And he's like, uh, "So you guys want to do this together?" And and you know, it's just one of those where I was like, "God, if this is what you want, yeah. because I'm not sure you're going to have to give me the opportunity." Now, my side of that bargain was. God, if you open the door, I'm walking through. If you give me the chance, I'm going to take it. Yeah. I don't know that I can. I'm not you know, talented enough, smart enough, good-looking enough, or whatever, to be a pastor of a church. But if you give me the chance because I believe then you want me to do it, then I'm going to do it. And, and he did. He opened up that door. And I, I would say, you know, sometimes God, like, makes it so obvious. Other times it does require a step of faith, an act of faith. And that's where it gets tough, and that's what people are asking about, like, you have a dream in your heart, maybe to even start your own business. I wouldn't say quit your job and then just step out on faith. I would say keep working your job and work your business until it's less of a step of faith. And I know that sounds like, hey, aren't you supposed to ignite my faith? Like, yeah, I, I think there is faith and I think there's stupidity sometimes. And so, like, there are people that I talk to who say, like, yeah, I didn't feel like that was God's will for my life, so I just quit. And I'm like, oh, so how is your family making money? It's like, we're not. I'm like, Oh, okay. All right. So, like, I get that. I'm just saying, you know, work. I'm a big believer in working what you have and praying that God would bring something else along so that it's still a step of faith, but it's a jump and not a... Yeah, I talked to somebody right before the service, Jason, who was actually just got a new job recently and, and said his wife was driving, um, I guess, by the place where he's, he just got his job saying... God, you know, if it's your will for new jobs, open up doors, open up opportunities, and and just trusting that God would continue to to take them in the direction of His will, and that's exactly what happened. God opened an opportunity; they took it. Yeah. Sometimes it's just as simple as that: trusting God. If it's your will, give yeah. me the chance. But but it goes back to read your Bible, pray, and trust your gut. If you feel like you're supposed to leave that job, start looking. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, don't overthink it. If you're praying about it and you're really spending time with God and you feel like your gut's telling you to go, start packing. 
Like, go, and, and I think the more you obey the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life, that gut, the more comfortable you get following, following that gut. However, the specific purpose for our life is to be more like Jesus. So, like, God's desires are going to come from God. So, like, it's not God's will for you to leave your wife. It's not God's will for you to move in with your girlfriend. It's not God's will for, like, you to start a family with somebody you're not married to. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I, I think you know that, but I'm just saying sometimes we can think that. So. God, God's will for our life is never sin. Never. You know, if, if you're, if you're struggling with that, we had that question come in last time. It, you know, it, do all things happen for a purpose, you know, and mistakes and sin in our lives? Well, sometimes God, God can use mistakes to bring glory to him and, and turn things to the good, but yeah. if, you're, if you're living a life of sin, yeah, that's never God's plan for you to live in sin. Yeah. Um, All right, well, man, we hope this has been helpful for you guys. We, just the series in general, we hope has been helpful. We've really enjoyed teaching it. And so we hope that it's been received that way. Um, but especially today, we saved this for the last week because we do believe that it's the most where you are and where you live and just wanting to be in God's plan and God's will for your life. So we hope this has been helpful. Let me just explain what's about to happen. We've got about 10 minutes left. Service isn't over. And these services during the You Ask For series have gone a little longer than we normally go just because we do the Q&A and all that good stuff. Um, but the band's going to come up and they're going to lead us in one more worship song. Uh, and we'll do that in just a second. Not yet, but we'll do that in just a second. Um, they're going to lead us in a song. And while that's happening, there's going to be some other things going on in the room that we want you to know about. First is our prayer team is going to be up front. Um, and they're here to pray with anyone in the room that just wants to have somebody to pray with. Maybe it's about, maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I want to know God's plan for my life. But I don't, I haven't, I'm not even a Christian. Like, I don't follow Jesus. The first step that you need to take today is giving your life to Christ. And this team down front would love to do that, to pray with you about that. But maybe it's about a job. Maybe it's about a sickness. Maybe it's about something that's going on and you just need to pray with them. They'll be up here uh, to pray with you about that. Also, uh, in the back of the room is uh, an opportunity for you to take communion. We're going to begin uh, taking communion the first Sunday of every month. And so this is the first Sunday uh, of the month of August. And so... Um, it is for you if you would like to do it. You don't have to, but there's a table on the left, a table on the right with the bread and the cup. And if you will just give me a second to explain for anyone here who maybe has never taken communion or is unsure about it. Communion is just a symbolic act. It is, it is completely symbolic, but the bread represents the body of Christ. And so even though we've already cut it up for you in the Bible, they break it. And that symbolizes the breaking of God's body. In other words, it's when he was broken, it's when he went to the cross for us and his body was broken. And then it's juice, sorry, it's just juice, but then there's juice for everybody here. And the juice represents the blood of Christ. They're again, completely symbolic, but the blood that Jesus shed when he was uh, tortured and crucified and the blood covers our sins and it covers our sickness and disease. And so when we take communion, Jesus told us to do this. And when we take communion, we're just remembering and we're going, yes, God, I haven't forgotten what you did for me on the cross uh, when, you, when you were broken and you bled for me. And so that's what communion is. So as Andrea and the team lead us in the song, if you'd like prayer, you can come forward for prayer. If you'd like communion, you can go to the back of the room and just uh, serve yourself in communion. And if you don't want to do either of those or after you do one of those, um, we're just going to worship uh, together for a few more moments, and then Cecil will close us out. All right? Everybody, will you stand with me this morning? Bow your heads. Let's pray together. God, I thank you that you're a God who knows right where we are, that, you, that while we may feel lost sometimes, you're not keeping us guessing or 
trying to play some trick on us that, you know, somehow we can't know your plan for our life. So God, I pray this morning that there would be a peace in people's hearts and lives this morning about your plans for them and what you want them to do. God, I pray for the person in here who's not sure. Will you help them to just have peace this morning? I pray for the person who's trying to decide between two scenarios. God, will you give them peace this morning about what you want for their lives? God, thank you for the cross. Thank you for what you did for us. The will for our lives, first and foremost, is to accept you and believe in what you did on the cross. So God, thank you for that. And as we take communion today, God, help us to never forget what you did on the cross. When you died for us, even knowing all the mistakes we would make, God, you still died for us, and we thank you for that. So pray for every need in the room today, God. Anybody who has prayer requests or needs that uh, in their lives, God, I pray that you would just be a God who does the miraculous. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.